0: Um I'm gonna we're we're continuing on in Matthew and we're probably gonna pause here for a couple of weeks in Matthew 18 and there's also scripture in chapter I think 19 or 20 that we'll be looking at next week but I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and read uh Matthew 18 verses one through five to get us started and then we're gonna kind of go down somewhat of a rabbit trail today uh but it's good. You'll like it. <laughs> I hope you'll like it. Um, so so let let me read it, but first let's pray as we always do. Jesus, just open our hearts, our minds, our ears, and help us to be receptive to what your Holy Spirit says, not necessarily what I say, but what your Holy Spirit says. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Help us to receive from you today. In your name I ask it. Amen. So look at Matthew 18, verses 1-5. through 5. And it says, at that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called a little child to him and placed the child among them. And he said, truly, I tell you, unless you change, did you hear that? Unless you change, we're talking about help me change my personality. (laughs) This is my devotion, by the way. This isn't for you. This is for me. And I've been chewing on this for four weeks, thinking about how God has changed my life as recently as in the last couple of weeks. If your testimony is constantly about something that happened 40 years ago, you need a new change. God wants to change you week after week after week after week. And for some of us, it's fresh, and we're saying, yes, 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 yes. Don't live off of a change that happened ages ago. Let's get a new change, because we're like onions. We keep getting peeled back, and and then there's another layer, and another layer, and another. And you get to the place where you actually enjoy the change. I like it when God changes me. In fact, I start getting nervous if God isn't addressing something in my life constantly. I want constantly for the Holy Spirit to be showing me something new that He can improve in me. Non-stop improvement is the way the kingdom of heaven works. Non-stop improvement. Constantly getting better. Sorry, here goes, verse 3. He says, Truly I tell you, unless you change, unless I change and become just look at those words you change and become all right like a little child you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven therefore well that's a mouthful if you don't change and become you may not see the kingdom of heaven eternally it's so the people that say i'm okay i'm good i'm fine i don't need to change they're the ones that are in a heap of trouble I need to change. Remember, I got this four weeks ago. God's been hitting me in a good way, loving way, all right? It says in verse 4, Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position, and this is where we had next week with the lowly position, of this child is greatest in the kingdom of heaven, and whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. I, you know, not so much this scripture, but some other scriptures that I'm going to show you have been blessing me so much in the last month. Oh, this has been my devotional life right here for the last four weeks, and it's been so good for me. I pray that it's good for you. So Jesus is saying, we individually need to change. That's a hard pill to swallow if you haven't changed in the last little bit. It's hard. But once the train gets rolling and you start changing, you start liking it. It's good. I enjoy. This is good. I feel better. I'm happier. I have more peace when God's changing me. So what Jesus is saying, you need to change. But listen to this. It's not that you need to change what you do. It's that you need to change yourself because when you change, what you do will change. We're constantly, I do it, you do it, we all do it, we constantly look at each other and say, they need to do this different. They need to do that different. They need, and we even look in the mirror and without anybody looking look around, I need to do this different. I need to do this. And you know what God's telling us, no, 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 no. I want to change you so that you can do things differently. The change comes on the inside and the behavior changes as a result. So. These words ring so true, unless you change and become. Unless you change and become. And so this is the scripture that gripped me about four weeks ago that just hit me. And I'm, I'm forewarning you, if you're reading this scripture in the New International Version, it's not going to come through as, as hard as other versions are, nor does it really represent what the Greek version, uh, or the Greek, transcripts or uh, manuscripts said, but here's here's the way that it really reads, and I'm reading from the English Standard Version, Matthew 4.19. I'm going to read it to you. Matthew 4.19, Jesus says to his disciples, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Now, instead of focusing on what he said, let me tell you what he did not say. He did not say, follow me, and I will help you save thousands and thousands of people and make you famous and awesome. He didn't say that. He did not say, I'm going to give you results. He said, I'm going to make you into somebody. And because I make you into somebody, you're going to have eternal, you're going to cause there to be eternal consequences, positive consequences for more people than you could ever imagine. But I'm going to work on you first. It's about who you are. It's about your personality. I'm going to make you into a new person. Isn't that what the Bible says? We're born again to become a different person. It's about our selfish, ugly personalities that gets us into so much trouble. It's our ugly, selfish personalities that produces the ugliness that comes out of us, all right? So Jesus doesn't say, I'm going to make you, I'm going to help you save tons of people. He says, no, I'm going to change who you are. I'm going to, literally, I'm going to make you into a fisherman of men. I'm going to make you into a fisherman. I'm going to produce a person, all right? It's not about accomplishment. It's not about saving thousands upon thousands of people. He said, I'm going to change who you are. I'm going to change who you are. Think about yourself for a second. Has not God changed your personality somewhat over the course of your lifetime? Yeah. Now ask yourself this question. Does not God want to change your personality a tad bit more? <laughs> yeah. He's not. Fin- are you finished work? No. Don't fall into that trap that you're a finished work or that it needs to be super slow as molasses for the next 10 years. He wants to change you quickly, week after week after week, month after month after month. It's like a freight train that's going faster and faster. And the pleasure of change in your life will be absolutely wonderful. That's from my own personal experience. All right? Look at this statement. God is not so interested or is more interested in your personality than your performance. God is more interested in your personality than your performance. Because he knows if your personality is what it should be, then your performance will be what it should be as well. Holiness is about your character, not your behavior. All right? If I am watching a rated R movie and some terrible thing shows up on the screen, some, some sexual encounter that I shouldn't be watching, and I turn the channel, does that make me a holy person? No, doesn't make me a holy person. Good grief. That's holy behavior, but that doesn't make me a holy person. God makes me a holy, gives me holy character. And that impacts the decisions that I make. You can fake behavior for a while, but you can't fake your character, you can't fake your personality. I heard a preacher say this once. Stop, and let this sink in. Stop doing and start being. Let it not be so much about what people think about you or see about you. You be the person God has called you to be. Be and stop doing. We're always seeming, at least I tend to be about performance, showing what I've done and accomplished, and that's just simply not, not the way God works. You know, if you're trying to get to know somebody, sometimes in, at work, and we have, we have these little get-togethers, and you get to talk to people that you work with, or maybe people you don't know, and the first question that you ask somebody is, what do you do? It's <laughs> the first question out of our mouths. Hey, what do you do? Can you imagine? Just pretend, you know, you're talking to somebody you say, who are you? <laughs> that would be awkward, right? Well you you know that's 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 getting too personal there. I don't know. Yeah I don't want to tell you who I am. I want to tell you what I do because what I do often I want to believe that defines me. And that's why we feel like failures all the time is we don't do the right things and we think that's who we are a failure. No, no 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 no. Whether positive or negative what we do does not define who we are. And that's why it's hard to get to know some people sometimes. They don't want you to know them because they feel like failures. That's insecurities, looking at what you've done and projecting that into your identity. That's not how God wants us to be. That's not how Jesus wants us to be. So the question is, is how did Jesus go about transforming the identities, the personalities of people. How did he do it? Well, if you look at Mark 3:14 and you got to picture this, all right? I've been looking at this for 4 weeks and just eating it up, studying it, thinking about it, trying to practice it, trying to embrace it, and then I get to yesterday, literally yesterday and I'm putting my notes together and I'm getting ready for this morning and I read Mark 3:14 as if I'd never read it before. And it gives me this insight. Yesterday at about 4 o'clock is when I got this. This is so good. It's given me another two or three weeks of just oh, good stuff to meditate on and love on and, and eat and consume, all right? Here it is, Mark three 14. I'd already read the scripture, but I just hadn't gotten this much out of it. It says, Jesus appointed the 12, who are the 12, his disciples, that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach. How did Jesus change the personalities? You say, I don't want my personality changed. Yes, you do want your personality changed. Everybody say, yes, I want my personality <laughs> I'm not going to make you do that. No, that's, you know, you, you've got to get to the place where you say, I, I want to be changed. I want to be different. I can be improved. I, I don't want to stagnate. I don't want to be mediocre. I don't want to go with status quo. I always want to be a better person better person, all right? So listen to this. How did he do this? First of all, he appointed his followers. Now, this this, this can't get past us. God has chosen you. God has chosen you. The Bible says you didn't choose God. God chose you, and that can mess with your mind because, well, Do I have free will? What's my part in all of this? Well, we simply cooperate with God's choosing and say, yes, God has chosen me even if I'm a drug addict, even if I fail financially, even if my marriage has failed, even if my kids don't love me or don't talk to me. I am chosen of God. I'll tell you, your personality will change really quick when you start realizing I'm a chosen child of God, no one, nothing can snatch me out of his hand, I am secure in Jesus, he loves me, he's accepted me, he's embraced me, your personality will change really quick. How will it change? You're gonna walk around with your head held high. I'm a child of God. I don't care what my past has had. I don't care what people think about me. I don't care what people, I don't care what I think people think about me all right, that's a biggie, (laughs) is always thinking what people think about me. Well, that's an approval addiction. That's a big problem, all right? Yeah. You're right. 90% of the time, maybe more, you're in your own head, all right? Don't worry about what people think about you. You are chosen of God. How can you assure that choosing? Let me remind you, Open your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ and let him come into your life and secure the choosing of God in your life. There is a part you play. It's faith. It's trust in God. But once you've made that decision, don't go moping around and thinking you're a loser and and no good or don't go around thinking you're all that in a bag of chips either because you did something that's not, who def- that's not what defines you. You were defined by God's choosing in your life. So neither pride, neither insecurity, insecurity, simply an acceptance of God choosing. You, you, t- think about this. How did those 12 disciples feel when Jesus said, I'm picking you to be one of my 12? How do you think those guys reacted to that? They, had, they, they must have gone into the stratosphere with excitement. They were the chosen one of the Messiah, and you are too. <laughs> He's chosen you. Total change in personality. No longer can someone else dictate your mood, dictate how you feel. Why? Because you're chosen of God. Oh, that's, that is transformation. I, that could be all I say, and that'd be enough, man. That's unbelievable. All right, but here's the second thing. It didn't stop there. He chose them to be with him. <laughs> the God of the universe, the Messiah, there standing there saying, I'm choosing you, but the good news, I just want you to be with me. What? <laughs> Are you kidding me? To be with you? Yeah, I'll go with you. I'll be with you. You want to be with me, God? I want to be with you too. Falling well, around Jesus everywhere he went. We talked about that some Sundays ago. He was there doing stuff, and he always invited the 12 to be with him. He's inviting you to be with him. And when you're with God, don't you think your personality is going to change a tad bit? We tell our kids, whoever you hang out with is going to affect how you are. (laughs) And God's looking at you and saying, you just told that to your kids. Now listen to it for yourself. Who you hang out with is going to affect who you are. Hang out with God. All right? Come on. Don't let Sunday morning be the only time you hang out with God. Throughout the week, enjoy time spent with God. It'll change your life if you'll enjoy some time with God. Don't do it religiously. Oh, did my five minutes, ten minutes, I'm done. No, I'm not talking about that. All right? That's not going to do you any good. You gotta enjoy it. (laughs) You gotta love it. You gotta eat it up. It's awesome. Number three, though, is he said, I'm gonna send you out and preach. Again, he didn't say, You're gonna save thousands of people. You're gonna build huge churches. You're gonna be a successful businessman or businesswoman. You're gonna change the world. No, he said, I just want you to go out and preach. He said, I'm going to give you a purpose, and it's going to be purpose-driven what you do, not performance-driven what you do. And this third bullet is what's changing me the most right now. I am... You know why I get up here every Sunday morning? It's what I'm supposed to do. I'm created to do it. I finally accepted it two and a half years ago. This is my calling. God created me to do this kind of thing, whether it's to three people 70 people or more. I do it not for the results. I do it because it's purpose. It's inside of me to do it. We're not performance-driven. We're purpose-driven. And that's what Jesus said. He said, go preach. I'm putting it in you. You're going to love it. <laughs> and you do. What you, when you do what God calls you to do, you are going to love it. You would do it for pay or no pay. You would do it for praise or no praise. You would do it because you're called, you're created, you enjoy it. God put it in you and you're just doing it. All right. There's this uh, old movie, uh, Chariots of Fire, where this guy is a runner and he's running. He says, sometimes I run. I just feel like I'm running for God. You can do everything for God. You can wash the dishes for God. You can vacuum your house for God. You can go smile at somebody for God. You can work for God. I can type on my computer for God. I can have a phone call. Everything you do, you can do for the glory of God. And then it becomes more enjoyable. So anyways, these three things, you don't think that changes your life when you start doing it for a reason instead of for performance, instead of for results? That will change who you are. That will change who you are. It's a blessing. It's been blessing me like you wouldn't believe. And it's funny I've been feeling this inside of me for the last six months. I couldn't put it into words, though. I kept thinking, what's changing me? I, I feel freer. I feel like I'm just living one day at a time. That's what this is. Living one day. Why can I do this now and I wasn't doing it before? It's because I've been getting away from performance-based and more on to purpose-based. Praise God. All right, so what are some obstacles for your personality to change? What are some obstacles that keep you from seeing your person change from glory to glory, from blessing to blessing, from height to height? Well, Luke 10, 38, a famous set of scriptures. I'm sure I've spoken a bit about them before, but we got to come back to them because there's, there's so much here. I was just looking at this like, wow, I see why I haven't been changing enough. There's six reasons here at least that I see why my personality hasn't been changing at the rate of speed that it should. Personal devotions, my journal, I'm writing this stuff out. Luke 10, 38, it says, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where there was a woman named Martha. You've heard of Martha and Mary, right? Martha's, I, I, I glean that she's the older sister. And you know what Martha did? She opened her home to Jesus. So, Jesus would crisscross Israel back and forth and Capernaum and Jerusalem and then Bethany and here and there and Jericho. He went all over the place. But as he came through this village where Martha, her doors were always open. Jesus always had a place to stay when he came by. Now let me ask you, have you opened your heart so that any time Jesus comes by, he has a place to stay? Well, here's the good news. Jesus is is going to stay there for you. He's not going to be walking by all the time. But the visual is pretty impactful because I want my heart to be open any time God is on the move. God, you have a place right here. You have a place right here. And that's the first one. An obstacle to God not changing your personality is a closed heart. What does a closed heart say? I'm okay. I'm all right. You know, it's, There's no problems with me. I'm good. That's a closed heart. An open heart says, God, I know there's problems inside here. I may not even know what they are, but I know they're there. All right? So you can go ahead and just take care of them one at a time or ten at a time, but you you have an open place for me. So the first first obstacle is simply a closed heart. God is not going to – to say he's not able to, God can do anything. But from a human standpoint, we can say, God isn't able to do much in your life if you have a closed heart. And this is true because he's set the rules up the way. He's God. He could come in and force you to change. But he typically doesn't do that. He's working with open-hearted people. All right? So verse 39. She had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. (laughs) All right? If you're too busy... You can't listen to what God is saying, all right? And I struggle with busyness. We had two football games yesterday that for some reason I think I can coach, all right? That means I obsess from about 12 o'clock at night to four o'clock in the morning with plays and ways to make sure my son's team doesn't get beat, which by the way, we got, you know, mercy rule twice yesterday. That wasn't the team's fault, that was my fault, all right? So I know what busy is, (laughs) And I know I struggle with busyness. And I know that I struggle with not giving enough time to the Lord. All right? That's an obstacle for me. That's a big problem for me. And it, it came to mind, especially at work, I would launch all these, pro, uh, these projects, launch project after project after project. And then all the work, you know, the pro, where the projects would fall, fall apart, it'd come back on me. Finally, I realized I'm, I'm my own worst enemy here. I need to slow the pace of change down so that I don't work so hard because I'm actually in the, 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 the spot to be able to do that. We've got to make sure we're not too busy. <laughs> we just have to. It's not appropriate for us to be overly busy. And God set a wonderful mechanism in place saying, you work six days, but on that seventh day, you do not work, you rest. And that keeps you from getting overly busy. But anyways, that's certainly an obstacle of being changed is when your mind is constantly going, 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 God can't work in your mind to change you as as effectively. So verse 40, but Martha was distracted, or Mary's sitting at the feet of Jesus listening to what he said. Verse 40, Martha was distracted by many preparations that had to be made. What was Martha? She was performance-based. My house has got to be perfect when Jesus comes into town. What got company? She was distracted with performance. What was Martha worried about? She was worried about what the neighbors thought. She was worried about what Jesus thought, what his disciples thought. She was performance-based. She was acting out based on other pe- people's perceived expectations, succumbing to her own approval addiction. And we've got to be careful with that don't be addicted to other people's approval who cares what people think about you who cares we've got to get over that and get to the place where we think care more about what god thinks than what others think and by the way that's what that's called the fear of the lord the fear of the lord is thinking more about what god thinks about you than what people think about you so martha had this other obstacle of distraction she was distracted by her own performance. That's what distracts us. And I've looked at my life and sure enough, I'm the most distracted person in the world. It always comes from performance. I'm trying to do things to feel my make myself feel better. That's why I do things. And I need to get away from that, all right? So, look at this, we're moving on verse 40. So we're on bullet point number 3, obstacles. Now, number four, um, she came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? What was she doing? Anybody? (laughs) Complaining. Complaining and blaming. They're the same thing. Complaining and blaming. No one likes to be blamed. Blamed. I hate it whenever I get blamed for things. And I hate it when I blame other people for things. But you know what blaming is? It's deflecting personal responsibility and putting it on somebody else. I'm blaming her, I'm blaming him, they did it. I don't play any part in this mess. <laughs> no, God's dealing with me and saying, no, you do play a part in the mess. You have a hand in the pot. There's things that need to change about me all right? And so complaining and blaming, that's what she did. Then the next statement, she says, tell her to help me. (laughs) I prayed that way before. God, would you please go tell that person? (laughs) Would you go please fix that person? That's what she was doing. She was saying, I want to fix my sister. And if there's one thing I'm learning so hard, so hard, so hard, I can't fix people. God didn't make me to be able to fix people. I can't even fix myself. (laughs) How am I going to fix somebody else? I got to stop this madness, and I struggle with it. I want to fix, I want to fix. And God said, no, that's my job. You do your job, and I will do my job. And there's a segregation of duties here, all right? You do your duty, I do my duty, (laughs) all right? So she was saying, fix my sister, tell her, all right? Fortunately, she was going to Jesus to doing this, but I think she kind of had a manipulative angle in this one. All right, but let's continue on. That's another. That's an obstacle. If you're always focused on somebody else's problem, God isn't going to have time to fix you because you're always focused on somebody else. All right. So, um, Martha, Martha, the Lord says, you are worried and upset about many things. Oh. Do you get upset about many things? Yeah? Worried about many things? All right? Um, Stress, anxiety, irritation, frustration, some synonyms for being upset and worried, all right? And it just shows that you're performance-based. Anybody who's stressed out all the time has set some measurement in their own mind that's not being met And therefore, they're stressed out. So let's shoot the measurements out of the sky and say, God, I'm not going to be performance-based anymore. You set the bar and you help us get to that bar because I can't do this anymore. Stress and this performance-based obsession for anything is going to keep you from being able to change. Because you're always shooting for that bar and God's saying that's not, you're looking at the wrong thing. I want to change you. I want to fix you. There's a situation (laughs) several years ago. I won't tell you what it is. Too personal, all right? But the situation that every week I faced, and I remember thinking to myself after months of this happening over and over and over again, I told God, I was praying, I said, this feels like somebody's taking sandpaper and rubbing it on the same wound every week, God. I am so sick of this situation. It is so annoying, and I wish you would just take it away. And God's immediate, the Spirit of God just, you know, you know how he whispers to you and kind of just, boink? <laughs> he, he just whispered and said, that'll change whenever you change. And it turned me, it did a 180 on me. I saw all of a sudden the problem inside myself, and I went to town on it. <laughs> I said, "God, you're gonna have to help me." I see it now. I was blind, but I see it now. And as soon as God fixed me, the problem just somehow just whoop, just left. It was gone. It's amazing. We have we're the seat often of of our own problems. All right. And so um, let, let, here's another thought that I was. I was just jotting these thoughts down several weeks ago, and just. Absorbing them and thinking about them. Listen to this. People and situations do not cause you stress. Just let that sink in for you. A- another person, another situation does not cause you stress. You cause you stress. You get it? I cause my own stress. Ishmael did not stress Abraham and Sarah out. Abraham and Sarah stressed themselves out. Get it? Don't ever blame someone else for your stress. You're in another situation. I've struggled with this all week thinking about it. Ugh, you know, this situation has bothered me. This is, and, and God keeps showing me. No, no. It's inside of you. If you trust me, you won't be stressed out. You won't be stressed out. Really impactful. <laughs> Now, there's nothing more personal than talking about somebody's personality. If I were to come up to even my kids and say, hey, there's a little problem with your personality, you don't think they would take offense at that? Or if you go to a friend of yours and say, you have the most wonderful personality, well, you have a best friend for life. If you talk about someone's personality, it can really be touchy. But let me tell you about this. A good, good friend of mine once was having a conversation with the Lord, and um, and he was— he knew that he was abrasive. He knew that he was hurting people's feelings. And he told the Lord, he said, but that's just my personality. And the Lord immediately spoke back to him and said, yes, but your personality is sinful. Your personality is sinful. And it hit my friend like a ton of bricks. And he started, you know, letting the Lord change who he was. Romans 8:29, we asked, well, what do you want me to change What what, what is it that I need to change? Well, Romans 8, 29 tells us that God foreknew us and he predestined us to be conformed to the image of his son. Are you the image of Jesus right now? Please tell me no. (laughs) You know, there's certain aspects of our lives, our personalities that projects the Lord. But I'll tell you what, there's some areas in our life that do not project Jesus at all. And we should always ask ourselves, what would Jesus do, and then try to be the person that Jesus wants to be. But this word conform, conform comes from a Greek set of words that are put together, symorphous. I'm sure I'm pronouncing that wrong, but it's, it's basically sharing the same inner essence is what conforming means, symorphous, Conf- is sharing the same inner essence. Who am I sharing that with? The inner essence of God Almighty. All right? I'm conforming to him. I'm becoming more and more reshaped into his image. Does it hurt when God wants to push my waist in a little bit over here and my head over there a little bit and reshape me? Of course it hurts. I don't like it. But as he does it more and more, I enjoy it more and more. God, conform me into your... Let me take on your personality, God. Let me take on your personality. There was a situation, this was just this week, another example of this week, where I was praying and thanking God that I was finally understanding the concept of waiting on God. The reason why you hear me talk about waiting on God is because he's teaching me about it. And I was thanking God. I was walking along saying, God, thank you, Lord, that I'm not pushing pushing you and I'm not pulling you. I'm finally learning to wait. I was just saying, I was almost in tears just saying, God, thank you, it feels so good to just wait on you and let you take the lead. And the Lord just gently spoke to me and said, you've understood this all along, you just didn't accept it. You've understood this whole concept of waiting for years, you just didn't accept it. And now, my son, you're accepting it. And I was like, Oh, that's the truth. Conforming when we finally accept what God is telling us. We understand it, but we finally say, yes, God, you're right, I was wrong, let's do it your way, and I accept it. Now, final, final scripture here, I think. Yes, final scripture. First Timothy 4.16, and this just kinda puts it all together. What happens when we embrace personality change versus performance-based living? What happens when we say, the results are in your hands, God. I'm just going to do what you've called me to do. What happens with someone like that, all right? 1 Timothy 4.16 tells us, and it says, watch your life. Watch your life. Now, let me read that with a different emphasis. Watch your life, (laughs) all right? So watch whose life? My life. I'm not going to watch anybody else's life. I'm going to work on me all right? And this is what God's been dealing with me for over a month. Watch your life, not someone else's, and doctrine closely. Persevere in them, because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Let me tell you what, if there's a heart that I have, God, I want to see disciples of Jesus growing in him, thriving in him. And so what does that say? If I want to see disciples of Jesus, Christian men and women and children and young people growing up in God, I've got to watch my life and I've got to watch my doctrine closely and persevere in them. So I'm like, well, what does that mean? (laughs) How do you watch your life? Well, this word watch means to wait and stop long enough to pay attention to what you're supposed to learn. Watch. It means wait long enough where you finally focus in on what it is that you're supposed to learn and then just learn it. So watch yourself, your life. Can I do that in isolation? No, I need Jesus' help. I, I can't be one of these guys that goes up into some monastery and just meditates for three months and has some epiphany. No, I need God with me in that exercise. I can't do this on my own. I need God's presence, His Word, His Spirit with me. So I stop doing so that I can start being who God wants me to be. I watch my life carefully, and he helps me objectively study my life and see what needs to be changed. I spend time with Jesus, and his influence in my life starts rubbing off on me, and I become a new person. My personality is transformed, as Romans 12, 2 talks about. But Doctrine. What's that? Doctrine is teaching. Watch yourself and watch what you teach. Well, you might say, well, I don't teach. I'm not a teacher. Well, yes, you are. Anybody who sets an example, and we all do, is a teacher. Your example is the teaching of your life. (laughs) You're you're projecting a lot of teaching by simply who you are. And so listen to this statement. Read it twice. If I will watch the example of my personality as I spend time with God, I can make sure, I can be sure that I will be saved and those who follow my personality will be saved as well. All right? Study, think about your personality. What example are you setting with your personality? Because people are following the example of your personality. And if you're, your, your personality is the example that Jesus wants it to be, because you're spending time with him, you and your hearers will be saved. On the flip side, last two thoughts here. On the other hand, if I define my life by my achievements or my failures, and this is the life example I'm giving to those around me, neither I nor those I care for stand much of a chance of being saved. Get get away from results get away from performance and do what God be who God has called you to be and here's the last statement I'll give you if I will start being God will start doing <laughs> and that's pretty powerful if I will start being the man or woman that God has called me to be God will start doing powerful things in and around me unbelievable things in and around me let's let's bow our heads and I